We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This, of course, is the Barcelona podcast. Dan Hilton joined all the way in London by Frances Tomas. And, of course, we're bringing you everything you see on Barcelona.com and around the Barcelona community and everything going on. The hottest breaking stories from the Camp New. If you're new here, consider subscribing. And if you're old here, consider subscribing if you haven't. You can check us out across all the social media platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and the like. Check out our links and exclusive deals that we have shared with you in the description. Now let's get right into it. Frances, how are you doing today? I'm excellent, man. I'm really happy to be talking to you again. And um, having our listeners joining us is, is very, I'm very appreciative, put it that way. It's, I'm going to say it's overwhelming, but I am delighted that so many people tune in week in, week out, and I definitely appreciate it. So thank you to you, the listeners. You make this show possible. Well, so far in this show, you know, we've been at this a few weeks now, and we keep harping on stories going on for our Brazilian players, and today that is a center focus again. Today, the big question we'll start off with is should Barcelona sell Rafina Alcantara this summer? And, Frances, I think you and I are probably going to agree just with the minute details being a little different. Right. I'm not sure. Obviously, uh, let's say to the listeners that we never really told before we start recording. And uh, i like to know what you've got to say. But uh, from my point of view, I would say Rafinha should be staying. Um, he's a player that has got plenty of potential. At 24 years old, uh, he's already attracted various European clubs such as Arsenal, Liverpool, Juventus and Roma. Um, they're sort of following on his footsteps and seeing you know, what the future brings for him. But um, I think given the fact that he's got so many years ahead in his career, he knows Barca inside out. Um, he's got experience at Celta uh, under Luis Enrique. He did really well that season. Um, so I think he's one for the future. Yeah, I have to uh, agree with you, but I, I think there is a caveat to it. Um, with his knee injury, coming off that knee injury, he's not set to return to action until the middle of August. So I think if you're another club, you're not going to spend $30 million on a player who's coming back from a knee injury, and particularly one that's been injured so often in his early years um, as a teenager, and then you know in his early 20s recently, particularly last season. Um, so I think for Rafinha to be sold, it's going to have to be in the 25 to $35 million range because he is enough of a quality player and he does a lot of the 
dirty work and a lot of the little things that help Barcelona continue to tick as a quality squad player. Um, and while he has had injuries, I think you look at the January window or even next summer, that even if he seems to be, you know, um, spare parts at Barcelona, teams like Roma, even Arsenal, Juventus, Liverpool, who've all kind of showed interest in him, could have a spot for him. And particularly for me, you think about in Italy, AS Roma, Rafina at this point, and particularly in January, seems like a perfect time for and a perfect club that Rafina could potentially um, leave Barcelona for where he'd make an impact. They have their own injury problems with Kevin Strootman. And you look at the age of Daniela De Rossi, the Italian midfielder. You know, he's now in, he's now 33, going to be 34. So I think Rafina would fit into that AS Roma midfield as a starter almost right away alongside uh, the, the Belgian midfielder, Raja Nangolan. And so for Rafina to leave Barcelona, I think it's going to have to take him to show his quality that he's worth $30 million. But I think that's a double-edged sword, though, Frances, where if he shows that he's worth $30 million for an outside club, that's already shown Barcelona that he's worthy of staying with the club. You know, So I think to sell him for that amount of money, he's, he, it would mean that he's too important for the club to sell. Definitely. Um, I also see a lot of uh, parallels between Rafinha's career and that of his brother, Thiago. Now, when Thiago started um, sort of playing regularly with Barca's first team, he had Xavi and Iniesta, arguably the best two attacking midfielders in the world, and I would say probably Barca's history. So um, he was never sort of a regular, but he was getting playing time on a weekly basis. Um, however, T- when Thiago started playing regularly, he just kept getting injured all the time. And uh, to, the bo- to the point that at, ba- at Catalunya, he had a nickname, which is El Niño de Cristal, which means the boy made out of glass, uh, because he would get breaking all the time. So um, with Rafinha, although he sort of looks more built and uh, takes much more sort of care in his fitness, seems to be the same problem seems to be happening. He keeps injured quite regularly, and uh, that is something that is certainly impeding his development. Now, don't get me wrong; he's a quality player. He's got the skills. He understands the Barca system fairly well. Um, has been learning from Iniesta, particularly uh, since he returned to Barca. Obviously. He learns from his brother Thiago and his dad Mazinho, who um, most listeners would know that uh, was an international for Brazil as well in the 1990s. Um, he is a player who can offer a lot, but um, he needs consistency and he needs to stay away from injuries in order to show his true worth, which is something that you know Thiago has struggled with throughout his career as well. So uh, I don't know what they're eating in that family, but uh, whatever it is, they probably should change it to um, Choco Pops. My question then for you is the long-term plan, of course, is to figure out, and something that we're going to talk about all summer as you talk about transfer rumors, and then next season we'll see how Andres Iniesta does. But the big question this summer is, do Barcelona already have the long-term option to Iniesta, or do they have to bring someone in to replace the, we'll say, the, the midfielder in the center between Iniesta and Rakitic, the one that's a little farther forward? Now, for me, Rafina isn't necessarily with his skill set, going to be the long-term Iniesta answer, but he could potentially be that long-term answer for the Rakitic role or the other midfielder that's not the Iniesta role. Definitely. And uh, Denis Suarez, I think, should be in the conversation as well. Now, uh, we don't necessarily love looking to the Madrid capital for for anything, but um, if the recent Champions League success is anything to go by, they Real Madrid effectively have an A team and a B team. 
and they're both, you know, if they were both playing in the Spanish league, they would probably be in the top three, both of Madrid A and B teams. Now, that is something that Barca has not had this season. Um, Barcelona have had the 11 starters and then probably three to four role players that could come in. But then the drop after, say, the 15th and 16th player in the squad in terms of quality has been abysmal. And I would say that is the reason why Barca haven't been able to pull it off against well, so-called minor teams such as Deportivo or Malaga or even Alaves um, in the league, which ultimately cost us the title. So I would say Rafinha and Suarez in the coming season with Andre Gomez, which at some point as well, they should be challenging to become that second midfielder that um, basically is challenging Rakitic for his position that he's currently holding. And uh, but out of the four that I just mentioned, one of them should should definitely, uh, in theory, be able to take it sort of long term. And with Rafinha and Denis Suarez being the better position. But um, as you said, um, and as we mentioned in our previous episode as well. I would have thought that um, that star midfielder that we're looking for is none of the four in the long term. So um, we probably have to go elsewhere to sign, say, Berratti or even Coutinho from Liverpool. Uh, because I just don't think either of those four players do have it at this moment in time. Um, I will be very happily proven wrong. I will be very happily, uh, you know, come back to this podcast in five years' time and say, yeah, Francesc, you were wrong. I'm deli- I will be delighted with that. But I, I just don't see it at this moment in time. Yeah, and that brings up the other guy that, again, not going to be the Iniesta role, but where Sergi Samper, who spent his disastrous loan at Granada, and the reason he spent a disastrous loan was that he was signed for a system with a manager that was going to fit what he does well. And then with the manager shift, you know, just over a month in, Samper was left on loan at a club that needed desperately to get results, for which it didn't get. Of course, Granada is going to be relegated this summer back to the second division. So Samper is going to basically be coming back from a loan that didn't work out. But Samper isn't the Iniesta type either. He is more of the box-to-box. And what we've seen is Samper in La Mesia, you thought that he was going to be the Busquets successor, but now he's playing more centrally, and now he looks a little more like the Xavi role. So Samper, I think, is another guy to add to that equation with the others. And, of course, Carlos Elena, who's still rather young, however, still he'll be you know, 19, 20 this season. So he's a guy that you know still has some time. Elena is the kind of guy that you'd like to send back out on loan. But I think Samper could fit into that as well. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on where you think Samper could fit next season. Yeah, I, I think what you're just sort of the point that you're making now takes us to our second question which is uh, obviously Girona got promoted over the weekend. Um, for those who don't necessarily are very familiar with Catalan geography or Spanish geography for that matter, uh, Girona is one of the four capitals of Catalonia sort of states. They're not called states, they're called provincias, but um, you know, states is the English translation to it. You've got Lleida, you've got Tarragona, you've got Barcelona, which is the capital city of Catalonia. And then you've got Girona as well. Now, Girona got promoted over the weekend to the first division. Uh, that is huge, huge, huge news, not only for um, Girona as a city and as a community, but for Catalonia as a whole. Uh, then being promoted to the Primera División, first division, La Liga, to play against Barcelona and Madrid, um, is huge because Girona play really attacking football. Um, they, got sec- they are going to finish second in the second division, with 70 points, 
Now, this is a team that has scored 64 goals in 70 matches. They are they're scoring the most in the whole of the second division in Spain. And uh, I would say, based on what you just mentioned about Samper, Girona would be a fantastic loan option for, for Samper to continue to develop because um, it's not that the coaching staff from Girona are directly from Barca, but um, there's a lot of uh, sort of internal movement of coaches and uh, sort of backstage staff that move across the clubs. And uh, a lot of players that retire, say, from, from the Barca-La Masia system uh, and after having their careers, they cannot necessarily make it as a coach at Barca, so they filter out to the rest of the teams in Catalonia, such as, I don't know, Gabá, Casteldefels, San Gabriel, uh, and all sorts. So um, having Girona back in the first division, well, back, having Girona in the first division for the first time in their history is going to be great because Barca can then start a system in which players like Samper, um, maybe Alenia, Palencia, we can start having a chance at the highest level in there. So that would be great. And I think that would be a much, much better fit for Samper. Yeah, last season, Juan Camara went from Barcelona B. He was supposed to be promoted to the first team. So instead he went out on loan the 23-year-old winger did um, to play in the, in the second division. And his loan wasn't necessarily in a resounding success, but he still was a proper member of the club and got a number of appearances for the club, did Camara. Um, and I think, if anything, that raised his transfer um, cost for other teams now. You know, and and not, not a large margin. You know, he probably went from somewhere in the 1 million range and now he might be worth, you know, more like, Two million or three million, but still, it's you know you double or triple your profit you would have got on that player, anyway, um, in Camara. Uh, but the the way you mentioned the, the mentioned the managerial, not to say pipeline, but you know the connection between the two clubs in Girona and Barcelona. The odd thing though I find about Girona is the number of Man City players or Manchester City, of course, uh, players on the roster and. There's a story behind that, and that's there's a number of youth players in Girona's system that have been snatched up by Man City and academy players that then have been loaned back and forth between the two clubs. Most notably this past year, one of Girona's major contributors was their right back, and they, as they played a five-back system usually most of the time with you know three center backs and then the two wing backs, uh, much like Juventus played, and their right back or right wing back was Pablo Maffeo, formerly of Espanyol, who kind of... he. Could have been a, a Barcelona pickup, but instead he was snatched up um, from Man City, from Espanyol, and then he's a guy who helped with promotion this year. And the connection there is, is of course, Pep Guardiola's brother, of an, a well-known international agent in uh, Pera, who was part of a group that bought a controlling stake back in 2015. And so the, my thinking is that as long as Pep is in Manchester... I would expect that there's going to be a continued working relationship between Manchester City and Girona. Of course, Girona, it's it's not a it's not a parent, you know, feeder club. It's not necessarily that Manchester City has any st- it's not like the other clubs in the City group, you know, that you talk about in Australia, I believe it's Melbourne, and then in the US, the New York City FC. Those they're all owned by the same City group, so you do see a lot of movement there, but Girona does have some relationship with Manchester City. And for me, I don't want, I wouldn't want Manchester City to get in the way of Barcelona's relationship with Girona. No, no. And also what you said definitely spot on. But um, 
we can't forget either that um, Chike Begeristein is the sporting director at Manchester City now. Um, our listeners will know that Chiki was um, a sporting director at Barca uh, before Zubita Reta got to us. So Chiki actually has a lot of history um, at Barcelona and within Catalan and, you know, Spanish football as well. And uh, he knows a lot of, um, you know, because football and, and business even, it's all about relationships. It's who you know and uh, who can sort of tip you in the right direction. Uh, who's the next big player coming up in Malaga right now? Well, Chiki will know because of his connections um, through, you know, through Spanish football and, and, and his relationships when, when he used to play. So having Chiki um, being the sporting director in, in Manchester right now pays dividends because obviously he's got different systems in order to get the best players quickly to him. And uh, the last point I'll make about Manchester City as well, uh, Ferran Soriano is, um, is also part of the board. So the reason why Guardiola is there is because Begiristain and Soriano made the first step and they managed to get Guardiola in there. Um, obviously, Pep knows that they were really well at Barca when they were together. And uh, there's this sentence in, in Spain that translated into English is something like, uh, better the devil you know. So, um, yeah, they, they're working together in there and uh, they've got relationships all across the Spanish geography simply because that's what they do. And Pedro Guardiola, being an agent himself, um, is definitely going to be able to bring the best players all the way to Manchester. Yeah, I think it's important for Barcelona to recognize that, again, you don't want to see that there is something, you know, devious afoot, but for Barcelona to have working relationships with other clubs, we see in recent years with Sporting Gijón, they have a relationship with them where they loan players, and I think it works out for both clubs that if you have clubs in La Liga and good clubs in the second division, the Barcelona can say, oh, here, here's our, our, our fringe club players, and then they can go and have successful loans. Again, that drives up the profit for those players, but that also helps out those teams that are getting those players on loan. I mean, those are... Girona, as we said, for their part, part of what helped them get promoted this year was the players that they got from Manchester City's academy and you know, for the year. And so they helped them with promotion. And you see that a lot, particularly in England in the championship, where you'll see clubs, um, most recently I think of, of, of Huddersfield, who just got promoted into the Premier League this year, a, a ton of their players, not a ton, but a few of their major contributors came from bigger clubs including Chelsea on loan or they were you know they were just recently bought for for low low transfer um, margins so I, those they can always help with promotion and particularly on clubs that look like they might be relegated and of course Girona's attack is an exciting uh, addition to La Liga but your belief is always that the club that just came up could be the club that goes down um, just because again they were good enough for the second team but why isn't any club that was not relegated last year why would they have got weak enough to lose to a, a second division squad with who are paying much lower wages of course for their players which brings me right into our second part of this question which has to do with Barcelona B who are still in that fight for promotion so we've been out it a few weeks and Barcelona B is still now they're just three matches away having beat um, Cartagena 2-1 on the road in the first leg of their playoffs. So if they're able to get by in the second leg at home, Barcelona B, then they'll play one more promotional playoff. And if they win that one, they'll find a way in the second division. And so if they're able to get into the second division, what could that mean for the youth academy? And I mean, the answer is easy. It's it's nothing bad. Um, but I'd love to hear what you think about 
how just how much of an impact getting to the second division would be. Oh, it would be huge. It would be it would be incredible to have Barca back in the second division, Barca B back in the second division, uh, because you know it would be an automatic uh, loan if you want to call it that. Now, obviously, Girona being in the in the Primera División would be great. I think that the relationship with Manchester City um, is is obvious and is clear for everyone to see. But Barca need to elbow their way in um, in order to get the the best prospects into Girona, hopefully as, as starting players now. If that wasn't possible, then obviously having Barca be in Segunda División makes would make perfect sense. Um, I actually watched the game against Cartagena um, over the weekend because obviously Barca are not really playing anymore with the first team. And uh, I have to say that Gerard, Gerard's team, Gerard is the coach, uh, former Barca and Valencia player. Um, I thought they were quite resilient. Uh, it wasn't an easy game. You know, playing in Segunda División B, particularly in the playoffs, can be can be very daunting and definitely away from home. And uh, I thought the players, although they were sort of really young and they're still developing, I thought that they showed a lot of composure and uh, they stuck to the game plan, which was having more ball possession than their opponents and uh, by controlling the game, then ultimately uh, getting the reward. So I think there was a lot of good players um, in that game. I was really impressed with Palencia, uh, the right-back, uh, Sergi Palencia. He's... Uh, Really, really talented defender, and uh, you know, in our previous episode, we talked about uh, the possibility of Bellerin uh, joining Barca and uh, Alex Vidal, hopefully um, challenging for a starting position next year. But uh, Sergi, Sergi Valencia, I don't think he's too far away from being able to become a you know a first team player in his own right. So having Barca be back in the second division would give him, you know, it would be the final step before making it into the first team. So definitely, definitely, definitely want to watch. Yeah, in previous shows, we'd even talked about, um, again, a lot of youth academy players thinking on whether or not they're, it would be more privy for them to try to get first team minutes at clubs in first or second divisions when they're still teenagers, as opposed to waiting it out in lower in lower divisions, you know, in the third division. And, you know, I we, we talked about Jordi, Ambula the other day and so he's a guy that if they were able to get into the second division Barcelona B that would mean that why wouldn't he want to stay and play in the second division and remain with Barcelona remain with his family remain in you know getting an education in that manner so why wouldn't he want to stay there but if they're unable to get to the second division again they lose some of that incentive of you know, talking about 17, 18, 19 year olds of staying there in the third division as opposed to going and playing, you know, on loan at a low level um, and in another country with maybe a lower league, but still playing first team minutes uh, in a situation like that. And so for me, Barcelona B, it would also help the club, I think, get back to their roots of bringing guys all the way up from U14s all the way through. Because we remember last summer, you know, the club got a lot of flack for bringing in a lot of non-academy players who were already in their early 20s just to add experience in that division, help them get back to the second division. And, you know, you look at, you know, look at Jesus Alfaro, Nili Perdomo, who was, who was, you know, battling with batting Palencia this year for that right back spot. And he was also called up by Luis Enrique for some bench appearances in cup matches over Palencia this year. Um, Jose Antonio Martinez, a center back, and Mark Cardona just were some of among them. There were a number of them this year. And Mark Cardona, I think um, he's a guy in his now 21 who fits in as a, 
as a number nine. And he's a guy that this year I think could get called up for cup matches. And um, I think he's fit really well into the academy. And again, when you're picked at 19, I think you're still a youth player enough that you can still get some of a Lamezia education. But going right into the B team means that you did miss a lot of, you know, growing up in the Barcelona Academy, we'll say, because you're really jump, jumping into a professional team in Barcelona B. Um, but that said, but that said, Barcelona B bringing all these non-academy players, getting to the second division would allow them to give uh, some of the guys in the levels below Barcelona B, um, including, you know, as we've talked about, you and I, not on the podcast, but one of the things that people aren't talking about is the U20 World Cup and the appearance of the two South Koreans who of course were part of that Barcelona ban from a few years ago and they had to wait it out and wait it out. You wondered if they were going to leave the club, but being victims of those ban, they stuck it out. They said that Barcelona was their number one priority. I'm talking of course of Sung Hoo Lee and Pak Sung Ho. Those two guys have been consistently devout to the club. And I'm interested to see, now you know about this, um, this Lee Sung Hoo or the, you know, Sung Hoo Lee situation going on right now, Frances? Yeah, yeah, they're, um, they're players who, you know, they, as you said, they could have left very easily d- during the um, the FIFA ban that we had. Remember that uh, a couple a couple of seasons ago, during two transfer windows, Barca were not able to sign, and uh, a lot of players in their academy, uh, Lee and Park included, uh, were unable to play. So what that meant is that they had to continue to train with the teammates, but you know, at the end of the week when the match came, they, they weren't available because they were banned. Now, um, some players like uh, Take, for example, uh, returned to Japan and uh, he's now, I think, I believe he's now starting for FC Tokyo. Um, I think he just made his debut a couple of weeks back, actually. But um, the players that decided to stay and basically suck it up um, now are beginning to get rewarded. Thing is, at Barca, there's several stages before you can reach the first team. Simply because of the fact that you know, at first team level, it's world class stars that that under Luis Enrique have had the chance. Now, as I said before, I really do hope Alverde um, counts a little bit more on the youth academy and uh, players like um, like Lee, players like Alenia, Palencia, Camara, even and Osamper even um, can can start making it there. Now, the, the final point I wanted to make about Barca B hopefully achieving promotion to the second division is that the main difference between them going to Girona or staying at Barca is that if they stay at Barca B, they will be able to train with Barca A players on a, on a daily basis. Like Alenia has been practicing and training alongside Iniesta, Rakitic, Busquets all season, uh, on and off, but pretty much all season. Um, the summer is um, a good time for players to rest. But uh, if you're an academy player at Barca, it's your golden chance to make an impact, um, particularly with a new manager coming up um, in Valverde. Um, during the preseason, what normally happens is that the coaches um, from the youth academy and the first team would meet together and they would decide on a number of, say, 15, 20 players who would join the Barca A team for training. And uh, let's not forget that at that moment in time, players such as, say, Messi, Mascherano, Piquet, Iniesta, etc., they wouldn't be back for training yet because of the holidays. So it is a chance to impress. Now, that worked for Munir and Sandro a couple of seasons ago, and uh, they ended up getting a contract in the first team. Um, obviously, the season, for, for whatever reason, uh, wasn't too successful in the end, but at least they became regulars, and uh, they're now 
earning the trade in, um, well, Malaga, but probably Everton, if the rumours are to be believed, in the case of Sandro, and uh, a Valencia for Munir. So what I'm trying to say is that the La Masia players that um, are gifted, capable, and are trusted, they could somehow make their way into the uh, preseason for Barca A, and then who knows, maybe Valverde is one, um, one of the um, managers that we think is going to trust players, and he could take a chance if any of these youngsters. So um, training alongside the best players in the world on a daily basis has to be better than going to Girona. However, if you did go to Girona, you'd be playing in the first division, and you'd be playing against world-class players every week. So I think they're both good options. But um, I think the most important point at this point, at the moment in time, is that Barca B gets promoted and uh, then it's a fantastic problem to have to worry about. Yeah, I think I think it's difficult to say that the future of some of these players and their futures at Barcelona is related to the Barca B getting promoted right now. And not to go all the way back to Lee, but you know, I don't know how many fans had stayed up and watched and by state up, I mean, no matter where you are in the world, it seems like uh, being in South Korea that everybody is uncomfortable in the time of matches. But with the U-20 World Cup going on in South Korea recently, um, both Pak and Lee, I mean, I watched pretty much every game South Korea played, including one against England, and they both scored a couple of goals, and they were pretty good. And I know Lee is a guy that the South Korean attacker, he is he is kind of a winger, but he is smaller now, but he can also put it, he's in the future, protected to be, you know, a number nine. And he's a guy that, you know, we've heard about in the Barcelona Academy system since he was 13 years old. Now he's a 19-year-old attacker. He, you know, he lost a little time with the Academy through the ban, but he's got a 12 million dollar release clause, 12, yeah, 12 million euro, excuse me, release clause that other major clubs are reportedly looking at. And so for me, it if they're promoted, that means that why wouldn't a player like that stay? Of course, if a player leaves in their in their youth, then you say, well, they didn't really want to be a Barcelona player. But again, to me, the most important part of Barcelona B getting promoted or relegate, I mean, or not getting promoted, excuse me, basically comes down to the state of La Masia being able to keep their players because it is it is yes it's great if the Barcelona B team is playing in the second division but if it's all players who didn't come from the, the academy and they're just playing to succeed there and you're not able to promote the guys like Lee and Pack and they wind up leaving to other clubs for you know a chance at first team minutes a little quicker again it does say something about the player but more importantly it says about Barcelona, what is it going to take for Barcelona's board to be able to keep these teenagers and to slowly funnel them through and just to, you know, to give players the opportunity. Yes, training with the first team is, is amazing, but getting professional minutes and Barcelona B getting into the second division means that Lee and a lot of players like him might choose to stay at the club instead of leaving for potential first team minutes closer because they they believe that they can be groomed by playing in the second division as opposed to, again, having to, to leave. And for $12 million, yeah, you'll get some money out of a 19, I mean, out of a, a teenager, but I think for the ego of the club, at least for me, you know, as a cool thinking about the ego of the club, I don't want to keep having all of our prized jewels be snatched up by other elite clubs for because these teams are getting their release clauses triggered. I mean, the players are having the release clauses triggered. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I totally agree because um, if Barca are going to succeed in the near future, it's going to be based on the success of their academy players coming through because we can't, we can't sustain a, a model which is like the Madrid Galactico model in which they just go away and sign the best player 
in every team in the world and then they put them together and they win as a result. I think that that's not something that Barca can or should be able to do or should um, should be doing um, at all. And that brings us to our quickfire fan mail. We got two questions today. The first coming from Rob, and he does talk about Real Madrid. He says, can Barcelona turn the tide and outdo Real Madrid to win the Liga and the Champions League next season? And for me, the answer obviously is yes. Whenever you have a team with Iniesta, Pique, Messi, Neymar, the answer is always yes, regardless of who's on the other side. And now, again, we've given plaudits this year back-to-back for the first time ever. Real Madrid capturing Champions League gold. You know, as much as we hate to admit it, they are a quality team with a lot of depth, and they are the number one team in the world right now. But Barcelona obviously has the quality to contend with them. And with Valverde, you get a new manager. And so often when you get a new manager, you do get an injection of life and energy. And if the players want to play for him, I think Barcelona could have the potential to go wild wire in La Liga. And of course, Champions League always comes down to these little moments. And with, with a, a knockout a, a knockout tournament like the Champions League, just the smallest margin of error is important. And again, you have the quality players to get over that hump. And I, I think Barcelona, unbiasedly, could be able to um, get the double there, and of course they've had the success to have Barcelona in the Copa del Rey. I, I like the unbiased part. <laughs> that's that's quite good. No, yeah, I know it's a Barcelona podcast, and it's it's hard to sound unbiased. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not biased at all. No, I, I agree with you. I think that well, first first I'd say that I don't necessarily like looking at Madrid all the time. Obviously, they seem to have won a trophy over the weekend. I can't forget. I can't sort of remember what that was, but um, I don't necessarily like comparing us to them all the time. Uh, so can Barca turn the tide and I'll do Real Madrid? I, I don't care, to be honest. It's whether Barca can win La Liga and the Champions League. Uh, I don't necessarily bother about Real Madrid doing well or, or badly. So let, that being said, I think Barca have more than enough um, star players to win the Champions League. Um, obviously, they have to be more consistent defensively, particularly when they're away. Uh, I'm still embarrassed uh, at the defeat and PSG and the defeat at Juventus, um, particularly, you know, their way, the 6-1 and the 3-0. Uh, but, you know, the starting eleven with a couple of additions in the second half, should be able to uh, to get to the Champions League final and, and, and win it. Uh, in terms of La Liga, I think that if you're going to challenge for the Champions League, then you need the 11 players to not always be playing. So Messi, Neymar and Suarez, they, they certainly have to accept, and hopefully Valverde can convince them of, not always wanting to play every minute of every game. Uh, I think Alcácer needs to step it up, but I also see it as, I, I also think that it, it comes to the other players to basically raise the level so that everyone is rested enough when the Champions League does come. So, um, as we said before in the podcast, if we can sign two starters, a right-back and a creative midfielder that can slot into a starting eleven, that will make our bench much more powerful promote uh, people from uh, the La Masia Academy, get um, Denis Suarez, Rafinha, um, Andre Gomez to step up their level. And yes, we can definitely win the Champions League and we can definitely win La Liga next season. Well, that brings us to the second question and probably the easiest question we've ever answered from the Quickfire fan mail bag. And it's asked by Pearl, are we still a serious club? Right. Are we still a serious club? It's a question that can be interpreted in many ways. Now, it's a very short question, and thank you, Pearl, for, for sending this through. I don't necessarily know what you mean, but uh, if by are we still a serious club, you mean 
are we a club who's challenging for all trophies and should be? Uh, the answer is yes. If you're talking about uh, the dodginess sort of tax um, paraphernalia that's going behind the scene, then maybe the answer is I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether the board uh, with Bartomeu and obviously Rossell um, can be trusted. Um, the Spanish authorities have decided that Rossell could certainly not be trusted because he's, you know, he's been put in jail basically and uh, he may appeal and he may do all he wants, but um, ultimately there seems to be enough evidence to, to, to take him into jail. So are we still a serious club? Yes, we are. I'm just not sure that the people who are running the club at this moment in time or have been in the last, say, five, six years actually are. So thank you for your question. Uh, we don't know the answer. That's very diplomatic of you, Frances. I read the question as just being, are we serious to contend with the likes of Real Madrid, Chelsea, and Bayern Munich, Juventus? Are we a, in that? Are we a serious club in terms of just still being an elite club is how I read it. And so, of course, again, you have Lionel Messi on your team. You have Neymar on your team. The answer is always going to be yes with players like that. Um, but to your point, yeah, are, are they a serious club in terms of the money that they can spend and where money is being allocated? And, you know, I, I think looking at the stadium plans, I would say the answer is still yes. I mean, no club that isn't really serious about continuing to be an elite club is going to make those plans at all. Yeah. Um, if, if that's how you take it, then obviously the answer is yes. But um, I think the board is something that, you know, the fan base need to be looking at very closely because, you know, we don't really want to be um, related to any dodginess and any sort of wrongdoing of any sort. Well, it's not wrongdoing to check out some of our links and the description as another The Barcelona Podcast show wraps up. And, Francis, we talked about a lot today between Rafina and Barcelona B. And so very shortly, we're going to know the fate of Barcelona B and whether or not they're going to get promoted. Of course, Girona, as we talked about, have already been promoted. So with the transfer window and transfer rumors really heating up, of course, you can stay right here in future weeks, and we'll have all your Barcelona news breaking stories. And again, we talk about some of the rumors going on, but only the serious ones, the ones that you hear by multiple sources as well. Um, so myself, Dan, and Frances, another one in the books. You can check us out across all the social media platforms. And of course, we've got all those exclusive deals in our description as well. And Frances, as we always say... Hasta For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.